Welcome to another PI World podcast. This is an audio-only version offered as another way to enjoy our great content. A full video version can be seen on piworld.co.uk, where you can find many more videos of interest to investors. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the FY23 interim results for Inspired PLC. Presenting for you today, we've got myself, Mark Dickinson, Chief Exec, Paul Connor, Chief Financial Officer, and David Cockshot, Chief Commercial Officer. I think as we start, just remind ourselves what Inspire does. We help corporate businesses, so that's the larger businesses in the economy, deliver net zero and respond to climate change whilst controlling their costs. We do that by helping them with the four C's, cost, consumption, carbon and compliance, which are an issue for every business. Now, before we go into the divisional results, what I really want to do was remind ourselves of what the Inspired platform does from an investor perspective. So the first thing is we operate in three really strong macros. The energy crisis that everyone saw in 2022 really moved energy back up the board agenda to be a business critical item for all organizations. And ultimately now we find a strong driver as businesses really want to manage their energy crisis defense so that they're prepared and do not have to experience the same thing in the future. Inspired is well-placed to help those businesses with this challenge. ESG, another fantastic macro driver, it's now a revenue critical item for most businesses. If you're a B2B business and you may have had a relationship with your customer for the last 10, 15, 20 years, To renew that business now, you must provide an ESG disclosure. That involves processing a lot of unstructured data and solving a lot of complexity. And Inspired does that for businesses to ensure they can meet the needs of their regulatory compliance and also the demands of their customers. The final macro is net zero. Ultimately, the UK has to deliver net zero by 2050 and all businesses need to play their part. And from that perspective, Inspired helps those businesses actually remove carbon emissions from from their operations, reduce energy consumption, and ultimately make a real difference on that journey to managing a response to climate change. In doing this, we have the great features of recurring revenues, um, compliance drivers, and repeatable demand from the project-based revenue that we um, generate from optimization services, which really underpins the um, organic growth capability of the business. So if we think about from a financial perspective, if we went back to 2017, Inspired was really a business that was a single service energy procurement advisory business capable of delivering only real low single digit EBITDA growth. Over the last five years, we've completed 12 acquisitions, diversified ourselves into a full suite B2B sustainability service provider, and along the way, doubled EBITDA and delivered 21% um, CAGA revenue growth on a H120 to H123 basis. As we look at our platform today, it's a business capable of delivering double-digit organic growth in EBITDA on a repeatable basis, with Zerka 14% being the expectation for FY23. And whilst doing that, delivering 80% cash conversion, and that really underpins our ambition to double EBITDA organically over the next five years by FY27. There's a number of compelling differentiators. We're the player of scale in the marketplace. 
for our customers, we process a lot of unstructured data and we solve complexity, which generates sticky game relationships with clients, high retention rates, and ultimately C-suite relationships. Every business we meet is a prospective client, so ultimately is a large addressable market. And when we actually implement those solutions for our customers to remove carbon emissions from their operations, we do it in a technology agnostic way. Um, that makes us um, not beholden to any particular solution and able to focus on the best needs for the customer. When we're solving that um, complexity and processing that unstructured data, we do that using our own proprietary software, which is increasingly becoming the market leading platform for many businesses that provide these kind of solutions to customers across the marketplace. I think the final thing we observe is a, a difference between um, public and private capital valuations for these businesses. On the public markets, Inspired is currently rated around about six times EBITDA, where we see in the private marketplaces, similar businesses rated between 10 and 15 times um, EBITDA. So clearly there's an asymmetry there to be addressed. So as a business, we've created that um, transformation or completed that transformation from being that single service procurement advisory business through to a platform that's fully diversified, sustainable of delivering year-on-year um, -year, um, double-digit organic growth. But as with everything, there's some consequences to this. There's some things to consider. So ultimately, the high growth part of the business as optimization services driven by a net zero macro and the ESG macro, they're really services where we have to sit there and not only design the solution, but we procure the equipment, we organize the contractors. So we take all of that cost through our P&L, which means you've got a lower EBITDA margin on those particular services, which leads to a change in blended group EBITDA margin over time as we become more and more successful at actually helping those businesses deliver net zero. There's a work and capital consequence. So when we're providing the services to help customers actually answer that question of how do I reduce um, and deliver my next marginal improvement in carbon emissions, my next marginal improvement in energy consumption reduction, that repeatable demand leads to um, the implementation of projects. The time of those projects throughout a year is going to phase, sometimes going forward, sometimes going backwards. And as we look at the cash generation dynamic between June and July, which Paul talked you through, uh, we can see very clearly how that can impact a particular observation point. As a business, when we've been delivering our technology-enabled service, we noted that energy and sustainability is a real technology laggard. So we've been investing in CapEx to make sure we can actually transform into that double-digit organic growth machine, but also to not only be relevant today, but to make sure we're preparing a business that remains relevant over the next five years to support that ambition of doubling EBITDA organically by FY27. In making the transformation, we've done it acquisitively and ultimately delivered that through a number of acquisitions where performance-based consideration has been really important. It's been important to not only uh, protect investors from downside risks of um, factors outside of our control, such as COVID, but also to make sure we align incentives with the vendors so that we're in a position where we can actually increase our chances of delivering that um, doubling of EBITDA over the next five years. If we bring all that together into the HH1 performance, delighted that revenue and EBITDA, we delivered double digit organic in the period whilst maintaining EBITDA margins. 
you'll notice that cash generator and operations in June was lower than its previous comparator, but really pleased to see how it recovered in July, which is the impact of the timing of projects, which is beyond our control. And Paul will talk more about that when he reviews divisional performance. What we see from the top line growth is it not flowing through to adjusted PBT and adjusted EPS yet, largely due to interest costs. And Paul will again talk you through that as we review the performance of the divisions. Thank you, Mark. So the insurance division remains still the largest profit contributor to the group. For the period, you'll note revenue broadly flat in line with our expectations. So you'll recall back in 2022 as a result of the challenging UK energy commodity markets that we incurred an additional churn. So historically, our assurance division maintains or retains 85% of our customers each year. Last year, that reduced as a result of that market condition to circa 80%, which has an immediate impact in terms of growth rates. Pleased to report that during FY23 to date, we've seen an improvement in retention rate returning back to the 85% historic average we've seen for the division. Pleased also to report that the strong momentum we saw in the second half of 22 in terms of new business generation as a result of those additional opportunities in the marketplace through the churn has continued into the first half of this year. But noting that those new contracts are secured in advance of them flowing through into the top line, and therefore, it takes time for that division to return to growth in such market conditions. But please to guide to the division contributing to growth in FY24 in this morning statement. You'll also remember that the assurance division is key to our land and expand strategy in terms of client acquisition and to ensure that we generate and maximize client lifetime value. We need to ensure our service level is of the right quality within this division. To maintain our um, service delivery through the crisis, we incurred additional OPEX in 22, and therefore that margin reduction as expected continued in the first half of this year. ESG, so really pleased with our ESG service division performance, so doubling of revenue in the period, maintaining that CAGA revenue trajectory we've seen since that organic entry back in the first half of 2020 through so just under 120 percent revenue growth in the period therefore the division now contributing five percent of group revenues from that bootstrapped entry and we're also expecting the division to contribute to EBITDA for the first time for the full year in FY23 again ESG services similar to assurance from a client acquisition perspective, very much sits on the land side of the land and expand strategy. Um, and you'll see some really strong client acquisition names brought into the group during the period. Optimization services, so that real growth engine, as Mark talked to, in terms of that doubling of EBITDA over the next five years. So 14% growth in the period in revenue, expecting that to accelerate for the full year to circa 30% because the profile of project delivery over the full year and that 30%, meaning that we're maintaining that CAGA revenue growth we've seen since the emergence from COVID in the first half in 2020 of circa 39%. EBITDA margins for the period improved in the optimization services division as a result of client mix. And we expect to maintain those margins 
for the full year. That profile of project delivery in first half and second half is comparable to what we saw in last year. And as I'll talk to when we get to the cash flow slide, that had an impact in terms of cash generation in the first half and net debt position at the 30th of June. We guided to at the March prelims an acceleration in growth in the software services division, noting that software services revenue is purely customers who pay directly for our software, noting that our software underpins our service delivery in our other three divisions also. Pleased to report the division performed in line with that. So a 22% growth in revenue, and that was driven by new client acquisitions. You see that we continue to acquire competitors onto our software platform in the form of other TPIs, but also direct energy consumers as well, which is very pleasing in terms of presenting opportunity for further lifetime value for the service lines within the group. Also particularly pleasing is a, a circa 20% increase in the revenue we're generating for our existing software uh, customers. And that's as a result of that rollout of those additional modules we guided to in 2023. So what does this all mean for group performance? across that period. So there you'll see that 21% in the revenue growth, very much driven by that 38% CAGA revenue growth within the optimization services since the emergence from COVID. But the margin point in terms of blended margin at group level coming through in the graph on the right-hand side, where that 21% growth in revenue has translated to an 11% EBITDA growth with the optimization division which naturally operates at a lower margin because of that additional cost to serve through the cost of equipment, external installation providers delivering that service. PBT growing at a slightly lower rate. Across the period, we've had the amortization of that CapEx into the software platform coming through. But also in the latter part of that period, we've also had an increase in finance costs as a result of increase in interest rates, but also the group operating at higher net debt level as a result of those performance-related payments as expected in the period. So to group PL and the financial statements. Today you'll see that 10% organic growth in both revenue and EBITDA. Really pleased in maintaining that EBITDA margin. Expecting EBITDA margin for the full year to come down slightly because of that higher contribution from optimization in the second half of the year. PBT and EPS clearly not coming through at the same rate, growth because of those additional finance costs in the period. So what does that mean for cash flow? So key story from the first half of the year was activity in the optimization of services increased throughout the period, particularly into latter parts of Q2, which drove that 7 million movement in working capital. 6.4 of that was invoice trade receivables at the period end, which unwound subsequent to the period end which drove that real increase in cash generation in July. So the first half of the year, we generated underlying cash generation of 3.4 million. In the month of July alone, that was 4.7 million, which brings to life, as Mark said, how the working capital profile, the optimization division can be lumpy, but also gives us that confidence over a 12-month period that we can generate 80% of EBITDA in operating cash, which remains a real key focus for the group through this period of growth. Performance payments as expected within investing activities of 8.5 million in the first half, 4.1 subsequent to the period end in the second half, and also those increase in finance costs impacting free cash generation for the six month period. 
So what does that all mean for balance sheet? So the 49.2 million was expected at the half year. So peak net debt for the group as per last year is the half year period with the bulk of those performance payments being made in the first half. But also in this period, again, as expected, we expected optimization services activities to accelerate in Q2 to Q1, which would impact working capital at the period end. However, key point being, we expect that to decrease come the period end or the year end to 1.74 times full year EBITDA to net debt versus 1.77 times last year. So as the banking facility, you recall back in March that we reset our covenants to the remainder of the facility through to September 2024 to provide that additional headroom to enable and facilitate uh, the working capital requirements, the optimization division while in growth and also the payment of those performance payments. Pleased to report that we're having very positive conversation with the lend our lending group and expect to complete a refinance in the existing facility in the second half of this year. I'll now hand over to Dave, who will update you on the strategy. Thanks, Paul. So just a reminder of the transformation the business has undergone from a single suite operating, just focused on procurement, moving into a full service sustainability provider. The two landing areas, assurance and ESG. So whether clients are concerned on cost and consumption or carbon and compliance, two alternative routes into the business, but are very symbiotic. Now the same needs overlapping to so create good opportunities for the cross-sell between them. But actually, of course, the real prize is that cross-sell of the action of taking real uh, action on, on behalf of a client's uh, sites in terms of that optimization to reduce their consumption, reduce their costs, and reduce their carbon. So all of that increasing the potential lifetime value of these clients. It's all underpinned by the technology platform to allow us to constantly monitor and evaluate what's happening with clients and be able to suggest that next recurring project to be able to reduce their demand, consumption and carbon. We're backed by these really, really strong macros in the environment that we're seeing that are making this a non-discretionary call to action for our clients. So what does that mean in terms of customers? Well, just the selection there of some of the new clients that we've taken on within this half year. Some familiar names there, co-op, we're following the exit of the, uh, the co-op energy this year. A number of the co-ops uh, have joined the Inspired team. Just want to really bring home once again this concept of the projects being repeatable demand because this is a really really key point for the optimization division it's not one off and start again with another client we're looking and constantly trying to evaluate where the next best opportunity is the next best pound of capex we can spend for to be able to reduce a client's energy consumption and therefore cost and carbon this example is DIY retailer. They've been a group client for a while. We've done a lot of the work. We've done a rollout of BMS. Look at the graph there in the corner. 
the blue being the before, the green being after, this is a trial on already efficient lighting. But further controls, further technology enhancements has resulted in a further opportunity to reduce their consumption by an extra 30%. So following this real detailed analysis and proving out of the opportunity, we have won the contract to roll this out further 1.2 million this year and work following for the next two to three years. So really a prime example of repeatable project work. Just a reminder then of the surface area that we have. We have over three and a half thousand clients that are all experiencing the same drivers of high energy costs and the requirements to comply with ESG, all of which is driving customers towards optimization. As a reminder, we don't have to be on site with any more than 3% of our current, yes, current um, customer base in 2027 to realize that ambition of doubling the revenue. So a fantastic opportunity for the business to expand over the coming years. Mark, I'm back. If we think about acquisitive growth being a key cornerstone of the business since IPO, 21 acquisitions, if we look at the acquisitions pre-2017, they were really all about increasing scale and allowing a transformation from owner-founders. Post-2017, it's been all about creating that diversified, full suite service provider, which is really capable of being a platform to deliver double-digit organic EBITDA growth year on year. As we look forward now, we saw a bit of a slowdown in M&A activity in the sector um, as we went through the COVID period and in the early stages of the energy crisis. Um, we're starting to see M&A activity return now. Um, as a board, we remain cognizant of looking at the opportunities, um, but very mindful that any opportunities that would come along would need to be consistent with our long-term strategy and also earnings accretive um, from, a, from a business point of view. If we think about that now in terms of the outlook for H123, full year performance expected to be in line with management expectations, underpinned by strong performance in H1. The cash conversion um, showing and demonstrating clearly that when you have a timing issue, as we saw kind of between the April and June period, that does correct itself in subsequent periods as we saw the cash generation performance in July. A strong pipeline of optimization opportunities for H2, but always being mindful and cognizant of the things outside of our control, such as when a client can actually allow us access to their premises to make an intervention and when they um, effectively take a decision to deploy their capital. But all things being equal, very excited um, to see uh, the opportunities in H223 being realized and delivering that inline performance. If we bring it all together then, ultimately, as a business, we've transformed the financial engine from one that was low single-digit organic growth with a single service line to that full suite, diversified sustainability service provider, capable of delivering double-digit organic growth and 80% cash conversion, playing to some of the strongest macros out there in terms of themes that investors may want to be exposed to, meeting those societal needs of the four Cs, and a business that is the player of scaling the market 
that solves complexity, creating um, sticky client relationships and relationships at a C-suite level, underpinned by our market-leading technology platform, which really allows us to sit here um, with a business that is, in our opinion, now enabled and capable of delivering our ambition to double um, EBITDA over the next five years organically by the end of FY27. Thank you very much. PI World videos and podcasts are for general information and interest. They do not constitute any kind of recommendation or inducement to buy shares of any company. PI World is not offering any kind of financial advice and nothing in our material should be taken as such.